Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, what's up, everybody? It's Ryan here, and we're going to have a beautiful show today. Unfortunately, Shira is out. She will be back on Monday. But, honey, guess what? Producer Shelby, we have a guest host in the building. We do have a guest host. And let me just say, it's it's R squared. It's Ryan squared. Ryan Basham's here with us. What's up? Oh, hey, you know, just uh, living the dream, etc. I do have to say, you know, not to be confusing, we have um, changed Ryan's name, though. He is no longer Ryan, because I am Ryan. Mm-hmm. What's your new name? Basham, my wow. last name. Listen, here's the thing. So when my, my mom used to complain about this a lot, when I... I was born. She chose that name because she didn't know anybody with it. And she thought I was going to have a unique name. She thought Ryan was then, unique? Yes. And then my kindergarten. She didn't I, have Facebook? Here's the thing. Well, at the time, she didn't know any Ryans. Oh, wow. And so and so, my first day of kindergarten, there were five other Ryans <laughs> in the class. I kid you not. I kid you not. <laughs> to be honest, I think my mom only chose my name because she wanted me to be able to get a job. Yeah. Yeah, like literally Ryan Mitchell, Ryan Anthony Mitchell. Uh huh. Girl, There's... people think I'm showing up as Ryan Basham. Actually. Yeah, you you, you I... sound like you got a master's degree from Harvard. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I you know people that this naming thing is a thing in every uh, part of society because I gr- I grew up with this girl. I swear, she was a pageant girl. Uh huh. Her name. I'm gonna name check her. I hope she doesn't mind. Her name. She was a pageant girl. Her name was Velvet Sexton. <laughs> what in the OnlyFans? I mean, right? That, when I met her, I was like, oh my God, Velvet your parents. Sexton. Sexton is, Velvet is a beautiful name. A beautiful name. It's the last name it's, that It's pairing it, it together. Because Sex, Sexton is a really old, like, Anglo name. Yeah. But, like, if you know that that name has sounds like another word that means yeah. something in current culture, maybe choose a name that couldn't possibly be connected to I don't it. Know, or it could be a drag name, like, welcome to the stage. Yes. Oh my Velvet God, I've Sexton. always needed a drag name. Maybe, maybe that'll That's be it. That's it. That's your homage to her. You're welcome. Okay, so coming up on today's show, we're talking about a lot of things. We have to cover Brittany Griner and how people are no longer uh, longer wanting children, which I'm actually very interested in this conversation. I think, you know, I have been questioning it a lot. I don't know. Mm. Have you? Are you a children person? I love children. I like to nurture. I like to uplift people, but... 
No. There is our our population as a species is killing our planet. Okay. All right. Before you dive into more, we'll talk about that later. Literally right. coming on in the show. But first, I got to tell you about Ben Platt. So if you want to win tickets to Ben Platt coming up, <gasps> literally, yes. Channel Q has a giveaway because we want to fly you and a friend to Orlando to see Ben Platt at his biggest North American tour to date. Enter to win at WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win a round trip airfare for two, two night hotel stay, two hundred dollar gift card. Come on, drinks and two. VIP tickets to see Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Plus, you're in Florida in the fall. Yes. So it's Is like that nice? It's or? warm, not crazy hot. Okay. All right. And it's probably warmer than wherever you live now. Honestly, probably. That southern heat is disgusting. Yeah, it's real. So let's get into uh, top of the hour news. What's happening in the news right now? Brittany Griner. Everyone is talking about WNBA star Brittany Griner and how she has been sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison or on changes of smuggling drugs into the country. Let's actually play her statement because it is heartbreaking. Here is what she had to say while behind bars. I made an honest mistake and I hope that in your ruling that it doesn't end my life here. I pled guilty to my charges. I understand everything that's being said against me, the charges that are against me, and that is why I pled guilty. But I had no intent to break any Russian laws. So we're going to have more on this in about 15 minutes. We're going to make sure we cover and tell you all the latest and really what this means. Um, Let's move on to the Justice Department announcing that they have charged four current and former Louisville Metro police officers with federal crimes related to the death of Breonna Taylor. Only one officer involved in the raid, um, his name is Brett Hankinson, has been previously charged over the case. The charges mark the first federal courts leveled against any of the officers involved in the botched raid. Honestly, Breonna Taylor deserves so much more and um, I'm happy that there's going to be some sort of justice mm-hmm. now uh, moving on the Biden administration declared monkeypox a public health emergency as cases topped 6,600 nationwide what will this mean moving forward we're actually going to be discussing that in about 20 minutes but we're, uh, first it's time for the tea report yes okay I am my I'm doubly nerding out right now because Shay Coulee of Drag Race fame just landed a role in a Marvel series oh I am a good one too. Yeah, yes, yes. So uh, you may or may know, not know about Ironheart. Uh, this character from the Marvel Universe, played by Riri Williams, is going. It's this character is going to be introduced to the cinematic universe in the next Black Black Panther movie, and then she's getting her own series on Disney Plus. And so we don't know what ro- role Shakuley is going to play yet, but it, we know it's going to be significant because they're making a big deal out of it in the press I now. Really you know what hope I mean? She's like a cousin that's going to be around. Yeah, the main character. I don't want her to be like Riri goes to a bar. Or like a, you know, like a has a you know, Totes. yeah, Totes. where she's just like there for a few seconds. Yeah, well, you know, um, when they've gone specific into a, a certain culture in Disney Plus shows, they have gone way in and yeah. kept a lot of characters around like for a Mrs. long time. Marvel? Yes, Mrs. Marvel. Yes. Chef's Kiss. Yes, totally. And so this character is actually, the, the lead character in the series is like a, a kid genius who was inspired by Iron Man and created her own Iron Man-like suit and becomes kind of like an Iron Man kind of character in the world. So, going to be uh, going to be something. I know the Marvel nerds are either, the Marvel nerds are going to be very supportive of this or they're going to be raised as usual and then hate it. So you who know, knows? Some a column A, some a column B. 
<laughs> well, thank you for that team report. I know we have more coming up the next hour. Yes. Well, let's get into the show because we got to get this party going, right? Yes. Next, we're going to talk about uh, Brittany Griner, I think, aren't we? We sure are. And the latest news about that has us all so shocked, all leaving us to wonder what happens next and what President Biden has to say. Don't go anywhere. This show's just getting started. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, with the latest news about WNBA, WNBA player Brittany Griner being found guilty and sentenced to nine years, what is next? And will there be a prisoner trade deal to get her out of this? Well, joining us to break this all down is Sid uh, Ziegler or Ziegler? I think it's Ziegler. Or Ziegler. You know, I'm country, so I'm always messing up everybody's damn name. Well, Sid is the co-founder of Outsports. Thank you so much for being here. Can you please confirm? Hello? Uh, Sid Ziegler. Ziegler. Okay, I was close. Yeah, all right. Not really. Anyway, thank you for being <laughs> Thanks for tolerating us, Sid. <laughs> Lucky guest. I'm like, Sid, first of all, Sid's been on the show before. He knows what I give. <laughs> no, but Sid, on a serious note, this news is so shocking. Talk to us about even how we got here, because wasn't there even conversations over a prisoner trade deal? Talk to us about this. Well, unfortunately, this isn't shocking. This, it has been expected that the Russian court would throw the book at her because they realize that they have a potential, uh, they have potential uh, prisoner swap at, at hand here. The American people, you listen to politicians on either side of the aisle, uh, people, this is, it is outrageous that you would be caught in an airport with less than one gram of cannabis oil and you'd be sentenced to nine years in prison. Insane. It's absurd. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of um, legal justice issues going on in the United States, but you know, it's days like this that I'm thankful that I live in the United States where something like that just doesn't happen. And so what's next? It's your guess is as good as anybody's. It's up to the Russian government if they want to play ball. The United States has offered up literally one of the deadliest, most lethal weapons dealers in the world who's in an American prison, been here for about a decade um, in exchange for her and another American who's been held for a few years. So it's it, unfortunately for Brittany, uh, just a uh, what, what seems to have been a, a dumb mistake. And she said it was a mistake. She, she, she just didn't realize what she was doing. Um, you know, I, I, say, I think she'll be home sooner than later, maybe in the next year, but I think she's going to spend some time there before before they come to an agreement. Yeah, I just think about her being in, in a, a prison there, and I know their society is overtly and deliberately uh, homophobic and racist, so I worry a lot about her. And nine years, isn't that a long prison sentence for someone in Russia? I have heard that their prison sentences are usually shorter than ours. Do you know anything about that? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know much about Russian law, but, but let me speak to the, the homophobia and racism issue, because one of the reasons that she's there and one of the reasons that a lot of American uh, female basketball players play in Russia is because the, they have a professional basketball league, their women's league, that pays uh, a, a lot of money, pays more than the WNBA does here in the United States. So they'll play in the WNBA in the summer, and then they'll go to Russia in the winter, um, Brittany Griner has been a staple of Russian basketball for many, many years. The fans, um, people in Russian basketball have accepted her and various other out LGBTQ athletes um, who are black and white. So I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell you that homophobia and racism don't exist in Russia. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not certainly not going to tell you that. But, but, but she, 
she has been a, a staple of their basketball league for many years. Well, I do wonder now, can this possibly impact players' decision to go overseas at this oh, point? For, I think this is I, – I don't think you'll see an American basketball player go back to, to Russia. And I think, you know, Russian society is, is being – in, in, in part turned upside down because of the war in Ukraine and, and all of the um, of the, 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 uh, the boycotts and, and, and everything that's going on with that. So I, I'm sure that the Russian Women's Basketball League, um, while they may find players from places like Turkey or China to come play, uh, I find it hard to believe that many athletes from from Western Europe and North America, where they get a lot of their athletes after this, are ever going to support Russia again. Yeah, and I really hope the WNBA is like learning from this because I think the pay inequalities that they experience and the fact that they even have to go over there. I, are they saying anything about the conversations around you know pay inequalities right now? This is a difficult situation. The WNBA loses money every year. And their total revenues are in the tens of millions. The NBA's total revenues are in the many, many billions. Ah. So right now, the NBA um, and and some other folks are helping to keep the WNBA going because people continue to see the value of it and a future in it. But... You know, it's we talk about the, the women's basketball players getting paid a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and the men getting millions of dollars. But the men are bringing in hundreds of times more than the women's league. You can call it unfair. Um, you want more people to watch women's basketball and to buy tickets and merchandise. But right now, it's just it's hard to, to pay Brittany, uh, Brittany Griner. Yeah. A million to three million dollars, given what the league's bringing in. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Once again, this was Sid Ziegler from uh, a co-founder of Outsports. Well, so thank you so much for all the work you're doing. We hope to have you back on soon. Anytime. So coming up uh, after the World Health Organization and several states have declared monkeypox a public health emergency today, the Biden administration just did the same. We'll talk about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Nearly two weeks after the World Health Organization declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency, Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra declared a public health emergency on behalf of the Biden administration here in the U.S. Here's what some of what Becerra, here's some of what Becerra had to say. Uh, in light of all of these developments uh, and the evolving circumstances on the ground, I want to make an announcement today that I will be declaring a public health emergency on monkeypox. We're prepared to take our response to the next level uh, in addressing this virus. And we urge every American to take monkeypox seriously and to take responsibility to help us tackle this virus. Joining us now to talk more about it is Dr. Amesh Adalja, infectious disease doctor at Johns Hopkins. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. We love having you here. Um, First thing I want to know is, is the Biden administration late to the game on this, or is there a good reason that this is happening nearly two weeks after the WHO and also some states declared uh, an emergency? I think first you have to understand this emergency declaration is really about cutting government red tape to be able to respond the way that we need to. And I think what's happened is that they've realized that they're unable to do so without an emergency declaration that we've seen a lot of faltering with testing and with vaccines, with antivirals, all of that, I think, has galvanized people to realize that we can't just use the the normal mechanisms because the normal mechanisms aren't 
able to meet the needs of the people on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's what this declaration is about. But yes, we're definitely late to the game in general with taking monkeypox seriously and being proactive about it. So when you're saying that it, it basically cuts off this government red tape, what does this now mean? What is opened up? Is there going to be more vaccines? Is it, like What does this really <clears throat> mean now? Well, the, the, the number of a vaccine is, is basically fixed in the short run. But what this will do is improve delivery uh, it will become the government become more operational. They will be able to support states and locals better. We may hear about innovative strategies to uh, stretch the vaccine supply by instead of injecting it into your muscle, I- injecting it under your skin. That will stretch doses. You'll see prioritization of first doses, which is what New York has been doing. And I think what you'll see is just a, a more forward-looking stance rather than being completely uh, reactive the way they've been. And I think hopefully this will uh, start to ease the the issues that are going on uh, in in terms of spread. Speaking of delivery, there's been some controversy around health agencies and how they have been messaging, you know, like which groups are the most at risk and and stigmatization has been a concern. Can you talk more about that? So it's very difficult to talk about all of this because no matter which way you say things, you get criticized on one way or the other. But what we know is that the majority of these cases are occurring in men who have sex with men. And I don't think it should be stigmatizing to say that. That's what the epidemiology shows. And we need those individuals to realize that they are at risk. We need to target our testing, our vaccines, our antivirals to that group because 99% of cases are occurring there. That's the only group we've seen sustained spread. That doesn't mean that other people can't get it. It just means that there's not a concentration of it in this unique outbreak. And I don't think that we, we we shouldn't let people use that epidemiology to create stigma or to misinformation about what this virus represents. I think there's always that danger when there's something occurring in one group of the population and not in other groups of the population. And, and I think we just have to get that backwards thinking out of people's minds and actually address where the actual need is. And it is in the, the MSM community. Yeah, and I guess if we're trying to have people relearn a lot of the, the, the things about monkeypox. Can you kind of educate us on the symptoms and what we should be knowing? Because it does feel like there's so much information where it's really hard to keep track of even knowing how this is spreading, what are the symptoms, how you know. Can we talk about that? So as a basic level, monkeypox is a, a fever and a rash. So you have a fever, muscle aches and pains, kind of flu-like symptoms, and you develop a rash. And the rash is very characteristic, but it doesn't look like what it looks like in textbooks all the time. It may be not on your arms and legs and face. It might be in your genital region. It may just be a couple of spots. So what you're looking for are kind of these raised bump lesions that, that may be in your genital area. They could be on your arms and legs. That's where you should be thinking, I should be getting tested for monkeypox. Sometimes you get swollen glands or lymph nodes in your groin or in your, under your armpits or in your neck. Those are also signs of monkeypox, but it's really the rash that should trigger uh, trigger you to get tested. Uh, you know, we only have a, a few seconds left, but I'm I'm curious. I know that there's this is a two shot situation. Um, is one shot good enough if it takes a while to get a second shot, <clears throat> or should people who have one shot really focus on getting that second one as soon as they're eligible? One shot will provide a high level of immunity, probably not as much as two shots, but. That might not be necessary. I think that what we want to do is get as much immunity in the population as we can. And I think getting first shots into people's arms is going to stop spread. And I think that should be the priority. We can worry about getting second shots and catching people up 
at a, at a later date. The, the priority now is to get immunity in the population to stop the spread. Got it. Uh, this is this is a lot to take in, but I really appreciate your help. Dr. Amesh Adalja, infectious disease doctor at Johns Hopkins. Thanks for joining us again. Now, after being disowned, we're about to switch the, the whole subject here. And it's actually really interesting. I can't wait to talk about it because it's a little juicy. <laughs> you know, after being disowned by his father for being gay, the tables have turned in a very unexpected way. And guess what? You're going to want to stick around to find out more. Up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so let's talk about some mess because this next story is wild to me. So apparently this story is going viral because a caller called into a, a radio show in Australia, right? And basically they told the radio host this unusual dilemma. Well, this man identified only as Jacob explained his complicated situation. He's gay. He was scrolling on Grinder one day and he came across a headless torso shot. Well, the torso seemed a little bit familiar, but what set off an alarm in Jacob's head was the background. He said they have one of those in suites that are through the walk-in closet. I thought that looked sort of like my parents' house. He clicked through the profile to see if it could be his dad. Now, his mom and his dad had been together 27 years. He says he's never had a reason to, you know, suspect that his dad was anything but heterosexual or unhappy. Uh, he's like, I've never seen a sign of rift between them. Well, he ends up like messaging the guy. He said he wasn't flirting with him. He just engaged in normal conversation. He said, I told him I liked his picture and asked where he was from. Then he ended up asking for a picture of his face. Well, honey, when that picture came through, it was his daddy. <laughs> and he was like, I'm very open and forward thinking. I don't care if he is gay. I just don't want him lying to my mom. Well, the plot gets thicker because guess what? When it even gets complicated even more, Jacob says his dad reacted particularly bad when Jacob ended up coming out as gay. He said he was super against it. When I was coming out, he hated me. He was super angry and didn't want to do anything with me in his life. So, uh, this story is wild. I just, like, I mean, it, it makes me think about the photos that I've had on Grinder that were even a little bit revealing, and I'm like, who could possibly have seen this that I didn't realize? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, you know, Grinders meant to do those things. Yeah, but but <laughs> but I know, but there are people in my life who also want to do those things, and I don't want to inadvertently see more. You don't block of... them. The thing is, how do you know if it's a headless torso? That's true. I mean, here's the thing. I, but my thing is, you can block. I, I feel like if I've ever been around one thing that I do, if I'm around friends, mm. I open up the app. And then uh -huh. I see if they've been on, and if they've been on, I automatically block them. That's funny. I did that with my roommate. Yeah. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want them to know when you got a, uh, you know, eggplant mm -hmm. appointment. I know, that's right. <laughs> uh, I also, though, open Grinder when I'm in, like, a, a large group, like, in any context, because you never know yeah. who you're going to find on there. And I've actually made really good, not only friends, but business contacts that way. On Grinder. Yes. Listen, you know, I also produce film and TV. Oh, that, the very well, first script I optioned to produce was through a writer that I met on Grinder. We never hooked up or anything. That clearly can only be an experience of a cis white gay man. Maybe, Because I guess. that is not an experience of any liking of me or what I've gone through. But, okay, back to the story. Listeners are urging him to speak to his dad. Should he Should he talk to his dad about this? Yes. Why? Because... It, because I'm minding my business. Because every time he sees his dad, it's going to be in the back of his mind. Yeah, but black your daddy. I guess, but also he probably carries with him baggage about how his dad responded to him coming out. True, and I agree I'm, with that. And I think he 
his dad owes him, even though it came from his dad's broken place. That's a thing. Yeah. But he, his dad still owes him a clearing conversation. And also, it is a little strange. I mean, what is happening? Unless this unlocks a conversation about fluidity and his, the mama actually knows. Yeah. And actually, you know, they bring in folks together and they have a freaky old time. Well, minus their son being there. Yeah, well, of course not the sign. <laughs> but I mean, but also imagine the, the possible upside is pretty great. Like, what if it makes them closer because they have this thing in common and they're able well, to, can you know you what I mean? you really forgive? I mean, when I came out, my mom took it really hard. Like, yeah. I grew up very religious. And, I mean, we're just now really getting to a place where we're repairing. And even then, it's like, are we really speaking about it? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. And so for me, it took a lot of um, one therapy and just forgiveness in that process. But like, I just don't know how you can now recover into a place of forgiveness or like coming becoming closer when you now know that your daddy is also a homosexual. I mean, or, well, I don't want to deem him a homosexual because he's fluid, a man who has fluid. sex with men. Yeah, he is just yeah, right. It's fluid. Yeah, I mean, you know, it makes me think of you know the prophet by Khalil Gibran. Mm-hmm. That there's a there's a his poem on children says something like our children are here to teach us. Mm. I feel like part of our job as children, even though our parents give us a lot of baggage, is also to be a part of the process of our parents growing and changing too. So even yeah. though it's painful, maybe it's better for everybody in the long run. Well, let us know what you think. Um, you know, hit us up at LGT Show Everywhere. More of What's Trending is coming up next. Lady Gaga's next announced acting gig. Girl, it's good. Coming up in the Tea Report. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Honey, another hour down and welcome back to the show. You know, we have some amazing music always being played right here 24-7 on Channel Q. So stick around. The music's popping. The conversation's great. And guess what? Share is out. But I have Basham here. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I love you. I love you. This is the highlight of my hour. It better be. Not hour. <laughs> just what kidding. you mean, just one hour? Just kidding. <laughs> Not me just now catching that. It went like right over my head. And your bun is right there too. It should have gotten caught. Wow, rude. Anyway, <laughs> coming up this hour, a new study is revealing that more people are deciding to have uh, not have children. Why, you ask? Well, that's coming up in 30 minutes. But up first, we got to talk to you about a giveaway that is going on. Here is the information. Channel Q is flying you off to see Ben Platt. I can't imagine my life without you. It's his biggest North American tour to date with special guests Ali and AJ. Whoa, whoa. We'll fly you to Orlando, put you up in a fabulous hotel, get you ground transportation, and VIP tickets to Ben Platt. I can't to win, all you gotta do is go to wearechannelq.com. Thanks to AEG. All right, make sure you go to wearechannelq.com and enter for your chance to win. Love that. Oh, my God. That was actually really quite refreshing. Anyway, let's get into top of the hour news. Are you ready? So ready. Because we have to talk about President Biden because apparently there are some ads on television that are attacking his uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Well, here's what our president has to say. Let me be clear. Despite what some folks are saying, the Inflation Reduction Act makes sure that no one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes, notwithstanding all these ads you see on television. But don't take my word for it. Nearly 130 economists, seven Nobel laureates in economics, former former treasurer. Okay, thank you. I mean, I mean, these ads are being pay- paid for by big corporations and wealthy people who do deal with stocks yeah. because they, those tax cut or those tax loopholes are being closed for them and they want to convince us that we shouldn't let them have it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's manipulative. I mean, isn't that the game, though? That is the game. Moving on, apparently CNN is confirming that there are some lab techs that are refusing to perform, um, to, you know, to actually to draw blood for, from monkeypox patients, which is shocking. How are you not doing the job that you signed up for? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they are refusing to perform the tests that are both standard and pr- uh, standard practice and necessary to identify the disease as well as differ- uh, differentiating between monkeypox and other STIs. This week... Uh, a case of monkeypox in the U.S. jumped from 81% from last week with the CDC reporting uh, 6,300 cases um, as of August 2nd. And in the U.S., the disease has spread mostly among men who have sex with men. Now, experts are worried that the lab's refusal to take blood from patients will contribute to stigma. So, yeah. Oh, this is a new story that just entered into my life. China fires missiles over island of Taiwan. Wow. Oh, my God. That is a dark one. Yeah, I mean they're they're edging closer and closer because they want to antagonize. They don't want 
Taiwan to get any more f- formal support than they're already getting from the rest of the world. Well, also, Nancy Pelosi should have stayed high hands. I don't know. I'm on. I'm a bit two minds about that. Ah, uh, well, maybe we'll have a moment where we can talk about it. Um, right. But yeah, uh, Beijing has never before sent uh, missiles directly across the island. It claims as part of its territory. In total, the Chinese army launched 11 ballistic missiles into waters around Taiwan. Oh my God. Okay, let's go on. I mean, enough of that. That's intense. But that's happening. We want to keep you updated. Up next, let's go into the tea report. Okay, so you may or may not remember a little movie called Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. I had some, I was plus minus about it morally, but it was a very well-made movie. Uh, Obviously, Joaquin won an Oscar for it. And now, Lady Gaga is confirming that she is going to co-star in the sequel with Joaquin. She's going to play Harley Quinn. What? Mind blown. Mind blown. Insane, because the only Harley Quinn that we're used to is, uh, oh my God, Margot Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, yes. This this movie, this version of Harley Quinn is going to live in a separate DC universe from that Mar- from that Harley Quinn. So it's a standalone, wow. which I guess means that Joaquin Phoenix is also in a different parallel universe as the Joker, yeah, too. Yeah, you know, you yeah. know about the multiverse. Right, So, and the new movie is called Joker Folly Adieu, which is poorly pronounced French for Madness for Two. How about that? Get ready for that in 2024. It's going to be insane. I love the fact that Lady Gaga has never played an actual, like, normal human. <laughs> Well, because she's not a normal human. <laughs> it's incredible. All right. Well, coming up next, y'all remember that conversation we had about Gordon Ramsay earlier this week that I got to argue with producer Shelby about? I know producer Shelby remembers. I do remember, and I'm excited for this conversation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just realized that I ate a, a bunless burger in front of Shelby over the last couple oh, hours. See? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I forgot. We, we got to wrap. Let's, let's, yes. let's cut. Okay, so Gordon Ramsay calls a fuss. If you don't know on TikTok, I've posting a video of him picking out a lamb for him to eat now that's drawing attention to our relationship with eating meat we're talking about it up next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q now earlier this week we spoke about a viral clip of chef uh gordon ramsay after he received Mm. backlash for taunting a lamb joking that he was about to kill it here is the moment Mm. yummy yum 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 yummy yum 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 which one's going in the oven first you Mmm. Oven time. (laughs) Well, it's bringing up a bigger conversation around our relationship with meat and why it might feel a little uncomfortable to talk about. So joining us for more is Kenny Torella, a staff writer for Vox's Future Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Kenny. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so Kenny, let's start with why you think so many viewers were uncomfortable with this video. What was truly the big deal? Well, I think so much of this video um, can be explained by what's called the meat paradox. And uh, that's a a term that psychologists coined to explain the cognitive dissonance we can feel when we're confronted with the fact that we both, you know, really empathize and love animals, but also love to eat them. Um, And we also don't really have a lot of like healthy ways to talk about meat consumption. Um, things are really binary. Either you're a vegetarian or you're not. Um, and so it creates this situation where people have very explosive reactions to things like the Gordon Ramsay video. Um, even, even if people eat meat, they might be uncomfortable with him making a joke about slaughter. Um, and so I was not surprised uh, that Ramsay faced backlash, but I think both his joke and the response to it just explains so much about why our relationship to meat is so complicated and messy. 
I mean, I'm just kind of sitting here and dumbfounded because as you said that I was thinking about when I was a little kid, I took a field trip to a, a farm where we were taught how to slaughter pigs. And, and that, is a ten- that is a country and, thing, y'all. Yeah, it is a country thing. <laughs> and I'm just like thinking about, you know, now as an adult, when I see meat on a bone, it makes my stomach turn. Like, I ask a server if I'm going to have chicken. It doesn't come on a bone, does it? Ew, um, not you get boneless wings. You need to grow up. No, I get... All right, let's not even go there. Um, but here's but a question I also have is, um, you know, people talk a lot about the carbon footprint of eating meat and other, uh, you know, ecological ramifications. But I've also read that um, vegan food products, the way that they're produced to, you know, especially to simulate meat, that takes up a lot. Of, that has a big carbon footprint too. So, how does um, how what's the what's the T on the environmental impact of of meat? And is that a part of why people are so upset with Gordon Ramsay? I, it could be, I, you know, I think people really were upset with it just because they're, you know, made uncomfortable with the idea of this guy, you know, pointing to lambs and saying, who's going to go into the oven first? <laughs> he's, he's obviously trying to get a rise out of people. He's a troll. Um, he's like the witch from the gingerbread store kids, you know, that yeah, like, but he's which kid? A troll. That's who Gordon Ramsay is. He yeah. screams in people's faces, of course. Yeah. So anyway, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, we want to talk yeah. over you, but. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no worries. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right that me plays a really big role in climate change. It's, it's one of the leading causes um, of climate change. And that's because producing meat is uh, very resource intensive. So, um, you know, we have to clear a lot of land to grow a lot of corn and soy that is fed to the 70 billion uh, cattle, chickens, and pigs. That doesn't even include fish, which some people estimate could be up to a trillion animals. And when we feed all this food to these animals, they poop a lot. And um, especially Same. cattle, <laughs> especially cattle, they uh, burp out um, methane, which is much more potent than oh. carbon dioxide. Um, and so reducing one's meat intake is uh, one of the you know, most effective ways to reduce one's carbon yeah. footprint more than most other you know, personal actions. Um, when it yeah. comes to plant-based meat, Generally, plant-based meat products like, you know, people have maybe tried the Impossible Burger or a Beyond Meat Sausage, um, they tend to have much lower carbon footprints than uh, beef, pork, um, even chicken and fish generally. Um, and so it's a bit of a, a myth that plant-based meat has a you know, big toll on the environment. They, it tends to be much lighter on the environment, use fewer resources and pollutes less. Yeah, so Kenny, I guess as we wrap this conversation up, you talked about this meat paradox within ourselves, but you also talked about a meat paradox when it comes to institutions. So will this ever change? And if it has, in what ways are we seeing those changes? Well, I think in the U.S., we can actually look to just uh, what what is happening with the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, you know, it's it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, but it's really a, you know, a big piece of climate legislation. And it's going to you know, dramatically reduce emissions from the energy sector, which is one of the biggest um, and most you know, carbon intensive sectors in the U.S. But it doesn't touch agriculture, which accounts for about 10 percent of U.S. Uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and so, that, you know, that's maybe one example where the meat paradox is playing out in our institutions in that, you know, the government is not really addressing uh, emissions from animal agriculture, even though it's a major source. Um, But we can actually look across the pond to Germany, 
where it's actually kind of a completely different scenario. The government there, um, the, the Green Party has a big role to play in it. And they're actually talking about um, the livestock sector in a really straightforward way to the point where, uh, and in fact, their meat consumption has gone down about 12% in the last 10 years. It's, oh, wow. it's, really, it's really the only country, maybe with the exception of Sweden, where meat consumption is actually going down. And I think it's because uh, for whatever reason, people there are, are able to have a much more, you know, just honest, normal yeah. conversation about food systems, um, huh. at least in a much healthier way than, than we do here in the States. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, if you want to check out Kenny's piece, it's really great. It's on Vox's Future Perfect. Kenny Torella, staff writer, please. Thank you so much for being here. You're incredible. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. So our next conversation is one I can't wait to have. One in five adults in the U.S. don't want children. Why is that? Coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So more and more conversations are being sparked about the fear of declining fertility rates. And with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, studies are revealing that more than one in five U.S. adults don't want children. Same. So <laughs> so should this be concerning us at all? Uh, joining us to break this down further is Zachary Neal, associate professor at Michigan State University. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Of course, you know, so many questions, but let's start with this. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit about, I know you, you covered a study um, uh, uh, on this topic, and, and what did you find? Yeah, so we were interested in adults that don't want to have children, people that identify as child-free. And what we found is that one in five adults in Michigan said they don't want children ever. Uh, and that's a lot of people. That's about 1.7 million people in Michigan. Uh, we also found that they're making this decision to be child-free really early in life. Most of them said they decided in their teens or 20s that they never wanted to have kids. Okay, so this, but also I, I wonder, this conversation around like people wanting to have kids or not wanting to have kids, it doesn't really feel new. So I wonder, when did this conversation actually start and how has it changed to like the, how the way it's being had now? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, people have been thinking about this for quite a while. The challenge is that it's hard to count how many people actually want to have kids, because when people study, you know, human reproduction, what they measure is, did they have kids? They measure fertility. And so all the studies that are out there use data about fertility, and they put these estimates really low. Most of the estimates in the scientific literature, are like two to nine percent of people that didn't want to have kids. And in this study, we're doing something slightly different. We just asked them, do you want to have kids? Not can you have kids? Not are you fertile, but do you want to have kids? Mm. And we think that changing the question we're asking people is revealing it's actually a much bigger group of people that say they don't want kids. Fascinating. You know, I think about you can go down a pretty dark rabbit hole looking at how folks on the far right, you know, like worry about great repra replacement theory and that, you know, becomes conservative legislators creating policies that focus on families first and discourage people from adopting black and brown kids from uh, from overseas. What do we know about how societal structures um, are, are impacting folks? Because I imagine that one of the things that keeps it from being more than one in five adults is that we're so incentivized to have children here. Are, is, is population a problem? 
so we definitely hear a lot about population crashes, about replacement uh, rates and things like that. Population is not a problem. The, the human population is not going to crash anytime soon. The global population will continue growing for decades. Uh, and we know that as the population grows, uh, that has real impacts on, on climate change. Uh, you know, one of the things we think might be happening is that people who are undecided about whether they want kids don't think of being child-free as an option because they don't know that there are so many other people that out there that have chosen that option. And one of the reasons we're hoping we can get this study finding out there is to let people who decide they don't want to have kids know they're not alone in that decision, but also to let the undecided folks know being child-free is an option lots of people have chosen before, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I still feel like there is such a stigma around, especially depending on what your gender is, it, there's such a stigma around not wanting to have children or not bringing children here. And so it's one of those things like, will we ever shake that? Or is that just going to always be ingrained in uh, the DNA of our society? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say if that'll ever change. Certainly, we're seeing more people uh, be upfront about the decision not to have children or even just not be sure if they want to have children. We're seeing more people talk about it. And so that may turn the tide. Um, in this study, we also asked people how they feel about people who have children and people who don't. And one of the interesting things we found is that parents report feeling very warm. They, they really like other parents. And so we see uh, what, what an academic might call in-group favoritism, parents like other parents. And I think that has the potential to create some sort of exclusionary feelings where mm. the child-free folks, the folks that don't have kids, sometimes get left out of these conversations, left out of different things that are going on at work, in the community, in different wow, places. Yeah, let, let alone conversations that people who are uh, child-free have to have with people who are pushing children on them. Uh, the, I wish we had more time, but that's all the time we have for now. Thank you so much, Zachary Neal, Associate Professor at Miss Michigan State University. Thanks a lot for having me. Of course. Now, you know, we just talked about kids, but let's talk about how kids are made. You know, sex. <laughs> we all know that sex work is work, but what do we think about putting it on your resume? Mm. And why this post person actually chose to include it up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so the question that we have to ask is, would you put your sex work on your resume? And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, um, Ryan, but, you know, if I didn't have the job that I had, girl, I would totally be throwing it back on the camera. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. I have thought, oh, if I thought I would actually get some money doing that, maybe I would. You don't think you would get money? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've always oh, wow, felt like there are so many. Well, I mean, I don't look like an Abercrombie model, and I feel like... Oh, those are the people who make money. But no. now that I think about it, I also know a guy who's really overweight who makes a ton of money because he fits a niche. So maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Yikes. I don't know. So much to unpack there. I know, right? So much, so much. So much of my body image issues, body dysmorphia, issues around societal norms, around beauty, so much. But um, the thing is, what's in the back of my mind is, if I'm creating content that is sexual in nature featuring me... What? Who could possibly be enjoying it? And would any of those people, if I knew, if there's anybody I knew would enjoy it, would it make me uncomfortable? Girl, Ryan is spiraling. I yeah, don't know. I'm struggling over here. <laughs> I, maybe I shouldn't have asked. I have a good <laughs> friend who's a former porn star, too. And she's, like, cool with it. 
Okay, so here's the thing. The reason why I ask this is because there is a 31-year-old uh, brand advisor. Her name is Arielle, and she's a creative director who began pursuing sex work in 2020 when their creative agency lost all of its clients during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, they recently went viral on LinkedIn when sharing their self-employment on the app saying I left an in-house job with Fancy Benefits two weeks ago, and the reason I could do that was because of sex work. Because of sex work, uh, like Ariel said, that they gained experience with charging amounts, um, taking rejection setting and holding boundaries. And they were like, well, why is this different than any other client work? The answer Mm -hmm. I came to again and again is that it isn't. So it's now up on my LinkedIn. And so she has listed it on her LinkedIn resume and it has garnered the attention. Okay. I think this is, um, Hmm. I think this is like really cool, but I I think it's also nuanced because I don't think Ariel. Um, I have to be honest, she looks like she came came from, and this is a projection, but off of, you know, what you see. They look like they came from a, a middle-class home. They kind of meet the, what would people would automatically assume as like, you know, the picture-perfect employee that someone would hire, no mm-hmm. questions asked. Yeah. And so I wonder if someone of a more nuanced, intersectional, like, life would be afforded that same opportunity of being able to enlist their sex work. Would they even get an opportunity by a recruiter when they saw that? Would they even Mm -hmm. be, like, hit up through messages? Well, you know know that um, for many years I've moonlighted as a career coach. um, And one of the things I tell people when they have concerns, although I've never run into this specifically, is when you think about things you might put out there that are a little sensitive, consider... Would you be willing to work for somebody who had a problem with that being a part of your life Mm. or history? Mm -hmm. And if so, then maybe you should list it because that will sort out for you anybody that you don't want to work for or with in the first place. And that was literally the reason, right? Producer Shelby, what are you thinking? Totally not to the same degree, but that going from college into like the workforce, that was always my thought with I don't want to work for any place that's going to have a problem with me having dyed dyed hair, piercings, or tattoos. Because if they are not going to be for that, then I don't want to work for a company that has those ideals. So to that same point, if this company has a problem with sex work, that means they're probably problematic on a lot of other fronts. 100%. And that's the so interesting thing. I feel like we've now just gotten to that place where we can think like that. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're living in a, a space really of realistically valid scarcity and you're like, I need a job. There's not every, you don't really often think about that being like, oh, well, I need to pick a place that accepts all of me because you're like, well, actually, I need to pick a place because I got 30 days before the rent's due. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, actually, there's a guy I just followed on Instagram the other day. I did not realize he did any kind of sex work until I, d- d- you know, oh, was really like done it. Can you send me the link? I will. <laughs> he, I just thought he was super cute. And then I read his bio and ba- he's going through grad school at a private university and he decided to do OnlyFans to pay for his, his master's that. degree and he will have no debt. Period. And a master's That's exactly degree. Exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know. Maybe sex work is the new thing. Put it on your resume, y'all. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Unless you're a person of color and sexual body. We got more <laughs> show coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Well, honey, another hour down and still here with Basham. Can oh, we hey. get a replacement, please? How very well <laughs> dare you, That's sir. That's what you get for that hour comment you made you know last I'm hour. I'm going to throw you into traffic. You might as well. At least traffic would stop. Oh. Period. Wow. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm having such a great time. Sheer will be back on, fr- well, no, I said Friday. Oh my God, no, she'll be back on Monday, right? She's in, uh, in an undisclosed location. Doing undisclosed things. Yes. With undisclosed people. She better bring me back an undisclosed keychain. Yeah, that's right. You know what? I want one of those little mini globe things, the little snow globes. All I ever ask for is a keychain. Or a magnet. I'll goes. take a magnet. Yeah, true. Actually, I forgot about magnets. Okay, well, coming up this hour, celebrities have been taking heat for taking short flights on their private jets. But what effect is that really having on the climate crisis? Mm. That's in about 15 minutes. Then we're going to be talking about being single and how to enjoy it. And producer Shelby is the worst for picking this because I'm triggered. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about what is trending right now. What's happening in top of the hour news? Well, we got to talk about Ron DeSantis and his latest attack on the trans community. Ron DeSantis announces he is suspending state attorney Andrew Warren for failing to prosecute providers of gender affirming care for trans youth. Here's what he had to say. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not in individual state attorneys. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, uh, you have violated your duty. Uh, You have neglected your duty and you are displaying a lack of competence uh, to be able to reform those duties. And so today we are suspending state attorney Andrew Warren. Absolutely the worst. Absolutely the worst. (laughs) I just, I can't. And I hate that we have to like report on this, but it is news. And we have to stay on top of these things so we can know how to fight it. But it's just the worst. But let's talk about some happy news because a federal judge ruled that in West Virginia's, um, that West Virginia's Medicaid program can no longer deny coverage for gender confirming surgery for transgender patients. Lambda Legal, the Employment Law Center and the law firm of Nicholas Castor had sued the state in 2020 on behalf of trans West Virginians, uh, challenging the exclusion of such care from Medicaid and from the state employee health insurance plan. So a settlement was reached earlier this year, and now Medicaid would cover this care too. So that is incredible news. Yes. Okay, so uh, real quick, um, we'll talk about next hour, the January 6th and Alex Jones and the text messages we talked about yesterday. Yeah, you'll want to know about that. And of course, there is a a developing story happening right now. Police in Minnesota are looking for the person or persons who fired multiple shots at the Mall of America in Minneapolis. Hopefully people are safe, but we will keep you developed. Uh, We'll keep that story developed. We'll keep you. What am I saying? As the story develops, we'll keep you posted. Thank you. What's the damn T report? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So on the, in the T report, you know, you may have heard, I'm sure you have, that the someone I consider like the grandmother of country music, Naomi Judd, uh, died by suicide That's recently. Not Dolly 
No, no, no. She's something else. Oh, okay. Uh, so, she's an auntie of country. That's right. That's right. <laughs> she's everybody's favorite auntie. Uh, so Naomi passed recently, and it, then it came out that her will excluded her daughters, Winona and Ashley, entirely, and that she had named her second husband, who was not their father, the executor of her will. So apparently Ashley's fine with it, but Winona is offended that she didn't get any part of her mom's, um, you know, uh, fortune. I would too. Right, because she's such a pivotal part of her mom's fortune, period. Yeah, and then also just the fact that I've gone now through this really traumatizing situation, and the fact that now my mama didn't even want to leave me none. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little hurt. Well, it makes me, because, you know, Naomi had a lot of mental health issues that she yeah. struggled with, and that's ultimately what led to her passing. And so we don't know much about it. You know, and maybe we, they can get that changed. Maybe they can. Um, she's going to challenge it in court, and so we'll see what happens. But, gosh, you know, passing is rough. Think think carefully about the choices you make for the people you leave behind. Very, very true. Thank you for that T-Report. You'll have another story coming up next hour. But let's go ahead and talk about these celebrities and their private jets because mm. they're ruining the world, apparently. Well, we'll talk about the impacts on climate change and all the good stuff, but I'm just ready to drag Taylor Swift. Let's talk about it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, so all these celebrities have been in hot water recently because they've been called out for their private jet usage. And it's bringing up a whole climate change conversation about CO2 emissions and how this is a climate nightmare. I don't know. We're going to dive into it because there's so much to unpack here. So we had to get this expert. Her name is Christy Drutman, founder of Brown Girl Green and Green Jobs Board. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you all for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's so interesting that Taylor Swift, Kylie Jenner, so many celebrities have been at the center of this conversation around jets. What I know you've seen this conversation. What has come up for you in this? Are we talking about the right things? Yeah, I honestly think that we need to be talking about holding people with a lot of wealth and privilege accountable for their carbon emissions and, you know, their role in addressing the climate crisis. Because, you know, if you compare the carbon footprint to someone who flies a private jet compared to the average person who's taking like a commercial passenger flight, I mean, it's astronomical. It can't even really be compared, honestly. So we do need to talk about it. I find this fascinating. I produced a, uh, a commercial a few years ago in a that was set inside a private plane, and the owner of the facility where it was parked in Ontario said, "Beyonce's plane is also parked here." And when they we when they fly, don't bring up Beyonce. Uh, well, listen though, the, but that's where they keep her plane, and then they fly it into LA to pick her up. And that flight from Ontario to LAX costs them ten thousand dollars which makes me wonder wow what is that how much more does it cost just to for, to pick up a, a famous person and three of their friends i mean what's the what's the multiplier here i mean like it, it's got to be a lot right yeah i mean i think in general like with this conversation i think another important thing we have to talk about is that like getting rid of private jets period isn't really the answer here it's more about the unnecessary type of travel like what you're talking about it's like Obviously, if people can have jets for emergency situations, of course, that can be useful. And, you know, there's still so many even commercial flights that are being, you know, taking off when they don't need to be either. And that's also wasteful. So in general, there just needs to be more regulation, period, um, and policies towards reducing the amount of unnecessary travel for both celebrities and everyday people alike. 
Right, and I feel like we, I mean, just to be clear, even Taylor Swift, there was a statement, a spokesperson for uh, Swift actually said that Taylor's jet is loaned out regularly to other individuals. And that seems like, in my book, I would be like, okay, well, if she's not using it and loaning it out, wouldn't that help the carbon footprint? Because now you're just sharing and it's not like multiple jets are taking the sky and there's not <laughs> multiple people. You know, like, it's, you know, it's kind of like getting the Uber. She, she's literally loaning out her private jet as an Uber. That's true, but that Uber isn't, you know, polluting the, you know, the environment as big as a, as a car is, you know what I'm saying? That's I mean, that's, true. that's like, six, I don't know how many thousands of Uber rides that would be an equivalent to, but it's, it's a lot. Um, so it's like, yes, yes, that's great philanthropy that she's loaning it out. And yeah, at the end of the day, like, it's easier to pinpoint these celebrities, but at the end of the day, it's also a part of a system that's not regulating, you know, the airline industry for its emissions period, whether that be private or commercial operations. Yeah. And that needs to be addressed across the board, for yeah. sure. This country has a real problem with regulation, not enough regulation in general. Um, you know, in <laughs> Europe, there are airlines that are adding train service, like they own train lines, so you can land in a hub airport and then take a train instead of taking mm-hmm. a connecting flight. But I, I wonder, what's the solution for planes themselves, though? Like, I've heard about, like, electric planes and stuff like that. What are, mm-hmm. what are pe- folks trying to do to wean us off of jet fuel yeah i mean they're looking into alternative fuels biofuels hydropower electric planes um yeah i mean like zero emissions i think it's gonna take a minute for all of that technology to get developed obviously because that also needs to be like subsidized and that goes into actually you know bigger policies to be able to subsidize that which means the government needs more money to shift Mm -hmm. us away from fossil fuels period and that requires all of us voters, you know, public residents across the country to get involved and tell our, you know, political leaders that we don't want to rely on fossil fuels anymore. That's the key. If we're going to subsidize this and allow things like the airline industry to move towards cleaner energy fuel sources. Well, honey, I mean, you're a leader in this space, so I'm listening to you and following your lead. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Once again, Christy Drutman, founder of Brown Girl Green and Green Jobs Board. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so up next, brace yourselves. We're going to talk about how to enjoy being single. There's nothing to enjoy, Bashman. I'm going to go cry. Bar Basham. Well, how dare you get my name wrong? Wow, oops, girl. Oh, whatever. Get over it. I'm st- that's the reason why I'm single. I can't remember anyone's name. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So you may or may not know Vice.com has an advice column, and the headline for this article is, Hey, man, I'm single, but I hate it. What can I do? And I've been single for like a long time and I don't know if I hate it. So I want to know if really? you Really? Yes. How long have you been single? Like I've been I have not had a boyfriend in 6 years. Okay. I mean, I haven't had a boyfriend in about 3. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is I like my company. I like I'm up to a lot in life and that takes a lot of my time, energy and focus. And there are times when I'm like, man, I really wish I had someone to share this with. Uh-huh. But then there are other t- times when I realize that I hate to say this, but it's so easy for me to determine that a person isn't the person for me that and I maybe that's there's something psychological going on there but I honestly have never met someone that I w- was like you know what this is someone I could share partnership with for life so let's break that down because I think being well queer culture uh, specifically gay men I think there is a flexibility about like not defining a relationship to be as what we know traditionally right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that allows us 
uh, space to kind of have that mind frame of being like, well, I haven't really found it. I can I can still like you know do what I need to do while being single. I can still like connect. I can still date. I can do all these things and don't have to like where I feel like in cis het like traditional relationships, it feels like when you are fresh out the womb, your goal is to find the mate, mm-hmm. get a kid, and like have a whole family. Like that's the that's the uh, the way they program us. Yeah, and so I think being queer or being gay specifically because even in your queerness there's so many like different intersections you can define anything it allows fluidity of how we view things but I think there's a, that's a good way and I also think that's it can be also a bad thing because oh, yeah. I think the conversation around monogamy yeah that's a completely how do you view monogamy that's I actually ask that question you know there's a great a book that a lot of people have read out there that uh, someone shared with me called the ethical slut and it's oh, about yes, and it's yes, about it's book. about um, people who are like in open relationships, and I mean people like some of including married heterosexual people who have kids, mm-hmm. like and how they navigate those relationships. And it's basically um, you know it talks a lot about the nuances depending on you know the communities you're in, your preferences, what you're comfortable with, how to communicate about it. And I find all that so interesting. And I think on one hand, for me personally, I'm like I think. It's not super natural for human beings to be monogamous. That's not, you know, we created that socially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I don't know that I wouldn't be a jealous person either. Have you ever tried it? Like, have you ever tried non-ethical monogamy? I mean, no, ethical mono- non-monogamy. Um, That's it. Yeah. I have never been in a relationship where there was a healthy way to be in an open relationship. Interesting. And I think that's, I mean, that's the key, right? Yeah. And I'm for me, I've I've never been in a ethical non-monogamous relationship i've only experienced someone taking advantage and like you know cheating and and Mm infidelity but i think even when that happened to me it's so interesting and i don't know if this is toxic so let's talk about it but like (laughs) when it happened i felt like i was more so upset with the fact that that person didn't communicate with me that Mm -hmm. they wanted to explore other options i felt like they took away um, they took away my ability of choice of being yeah. like, hey, let's actually have an open relationship. Instead, you 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 cheated and you went the other way that took away and stripped all of our trust and the trust that was really difficult to build back. And so like now I feel like being single, if I'm being honest, I we're both from Tennessee. I, for me, as from the South, it, there was always this um, mirroring of traditional cishet relationships that I felt like I was coming into contact with is with gay men being a top, being a bottom, all these mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. those gender roles that we were kind of mimicking. And I feel like being out of that, I was literally, I've been able to like literally figure out what I want. That's fascinating because I find that that trying to match top to bottom to heterosexual norms is interesting for me because I really attract guys who want to be led in the relationship. Like they want me to be the alpha in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I would really rather co-alpha in the relationship Mm. and I don't know I'm like how am I not finding those men or when I do find them they're already in a relationship or like what am I missing you know what I mean yeah and I think I mean same and I also think it sometimes for me it's been also because of how I carry myself and gender expression or identity, I think a lot of people automatically d- dim me to be like this femme person who paints their nails, wears a heel just because of how I express. Mm-hmm. And so they automatically put me in a role that they think I am. Yeah. And it, it, that I think that unfortunately is something that 
even though as queer folks, we are trying to get out of the boxes we've been placed in, we still somehow navigating the system where mm-hmm. we're placing each other in a box. And so I think there's still so much here that we want to talk about because we haven't even got to the point of like, if we're happy being single. <laughs> so maybe that answer is coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we're talking about being single, and I just want to be real. I already answered the question if I'm happy being single or not, but the other two people in this room have not. So let's start with you, (laughs) Mr. Mitchell. How do you feel about being single? I I was happy with it. Um, I was actually I was content. Okay. I was content with it, but I think now. Because I feel like I was, I'm very career driven. And so I'm like, I, I kind of like buried my singleness under my career being like, mm-hmm. I'm working. I need to hustle. I need to get out. I need to get to a certain space where I'm like good first. Which can both be valid and a crutch. Right. Um, wow, drag me. Um, <laughs> and I am now at a place where I feel at least kind of comfortable where I'm like, okay, this is working by itself. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, dang, I kind of do want a boyfriend again or mm. a partner again. I like, what does that really look like? What does that mean? And and then also it's like, um, I can't help it. I've been telling, I feel like I've gotten so used to telling myself a certain story that is a ra- related about my identity or my body or how we navigate, you know, dating in such a superficial town that it's really hard for me sometimes to walk into a space being like, is this person flirting with me? Is this person interested in me? Yeah. Probably not. And if they are, that means they're a weirdo. And so I think I, I'm ready to, to, I really am ready to, to actually date and find someone. Um, so I don't know if I really am happy anymore with being Interesting. Single. I do think it's interesting dating in L.A. I think New York is the same way in that New York and L.A. are places people go to do something or be something as opposed to just a place people live. Yeah. So it changes the mindset of most of the population. If we were back right? in Tennessee, I would have had a boyfriend probably. 100%. 100%. Um, jokes about that aside, uh, making kids in Tennessee, we won't go there. <laughs> but producer Shelby... Yes. Okay, what's the tea? Um, How are you feeling about being single? As someone who was dumped about a month ago, I am... I forgot about that. I'm sorry, bro. It's okay. It's okay. I talked about it in therapy this morning without crying, so we're getting... Oh, we had a good space. Also, who do I need to kill? I'm still getting triggered, but... um, (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Um, So, no, I'm not happy with it. Um, Mostly, one, because of the means that my relationship ended. It was kind of out of nowhere, so I was still emotionally in the relationship when it ended so like Mm. that feeling is still there so it it leaves a feeling of kind of loneliness but aside from that ever since I started dating in high school like I've kind of always been with someone which is a codependency problem on me Um, so I'm kind of trying to use this dump if you call it um, to be okay being by myself and that's Mm -hmm. a real freaking journey (laughs) see y'all got to date in high school I didn't date in high school and and I my first sexual experience was like with the like the closeted boy Mm. and no one knew that we were fooling around and so I've always felt like I've had my relationships have all been like based in just secretive sexual Mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I really honestly, even when it comes to like flirting or showing someone I'm interested, I really feel like a late bloomer. Like I get very shy, I get very like kind of in my head about it. Like I don't really even think of my in my my myself in that space and so for me i'm like i sometimes feel so late to the game mm-hmm. where i'm like dang you might be single for a while because you're yeah. just so not you haven't had the life experience 
uh, which a lot of queer people I feel like can relate because it's not like totally. high school experiences and like we're going to prom with someone or we're you know dating someone like you know not yeah. everyone has that experience I also feel like I you know the story in my mind also is am I going to be good enough for the for the for the men I'm into mm. but what I but also and I'm especially physically I have you know body dysmorphia issues but also I am really attracted to charismatic men. And one of the consequences of that is that sometimes they turn out to be genuinely clinically narcissistic. <laughs> and so I'm now at a point where I can't, I don't know if I can trust him. In fact, I brought the, my most recent ex up to a longtime friend that I hadn't seen in a while. And he, two sentences in, he knew who I was talking about, uh-huh. because, named that person by name. And there's like, I got a book for you. It's called The Narcissist in Your Life. Oh. Before we get out of here, I want one sentence from each of you. What? do you do to stay happy while you're being single? Oh, good question, producer Shelby. Um, To be honest, I treat myself. Good. I take myself out on dates. I've actually learned how to do that, which is a, a form of self-care and also um, kind of relearning what I like. Mm, focusing on my relationships, especially with pets. Oh, good. Wow, what a great conversation. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 